Welcome to Inside the Castle, the podcast that goes behind castle doors to have real conversations with real people about solving the nation's toughest challenges. I'm one of your hosts today, Aaron Schneider. And I'm Angie Fryerman. In this episode, we're talking about the Federal Employment Viewpoint Survey, commonly known in the core as FEVs. Today, we have Jerry Dorsey, the Chief Human Capital at Core Headquarters, and Abigail Maurer, the Human Resource Specialist at Core Headquarters. But before we get into talking with our guests, Angie, I was kind of curious. I, I know I've been with the Core about 20 years. Seems like I've been doing FEVs for at least 20 years. Uh, sometimes it feels like more, maybe. Kind of curious, what are your thoughts on FEVs? I know it's something that always we get emails on and hounded for, but I'm just curious what your take is on this. Yeah, so before we started this podcast, I was thinking about the first time that I actually took a FEV survey. And like you, it's been 20 plus years, so my memory's a little foggy. But I, I certainly don't remember doing it when I first started, so it must not have been a huge emphasis 20-some years ago. But I do remember uh, recent years uh, getting the survey. And actually, you know, I've had the opportunity to sit down with the leaders and kind of look at some of the results that's come in from past uh, FEV surveys at a district. Um, and it's very interesting to take a look at it. You know, hopefully Jerry and Abigail will get into this, but sometimes I feel like people think that this information doesn't get looked at uh, or used. And I have firsthand experience that leaders do take a look at it. Sometimes just making change in the organization takes a little bit of time. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And that's kind of my experience too. When I was not a supervisor, I was like, these aren't useful. You know, supervisory team doesn't <laughs> do anything with it. And then I became a supervisor and I like I started looking at this stuff and it's like, oh, how can we improve the organization? And and we really did take it to heart. But I think, you know, change is hard and challenging. Um, and sometimes there's just like topics that come up as like, oh, I'd love to change that. And, and somehow we're just not able to. But it's a great tool for us to get input from the staff and be able to see what how people are really feeling, because sometimes they're not always necessarily open to share talking to a person. But in an anonymous survey, I think it, it seems to be helpful that they can really share those opinions. I think that's a great time for us to to learn a little bit here about Jerry and Abigail. Jerry, can you just tell us about yourself and the role with the core? Absolutely. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Jerry Dorsey. Serve as the uh, division chief for the human capital and data integration division with the headquarters HR team. Our division does a lot of really, really cool stuff. We oversee data analytics, employee engagement, which we'll get into FEVs that we'll talk about today, strategic human capital planning, and then also day-to-day -day support uh, for the HR leadership team as well. So a little bit of background about me. I've been with the core for almost nine years. Some days it seems like more than that. Some days it seems like less, but it's been just an awesome experience uh, for the last nine years. Prior to that, I was with TRADOC for a couple of years, and then I started my career as a Department of Navy uh, HR intern. And Abigail? Good afternoon. I'm Abigail Marr. I'm on the Human Capital Team under the HR Directorate. I have been with the Corps since 2016, originally with the career program 18, coming here from Germany. So a big different change for me in the D.C. area. And I joined Jerry's team in 2018 and just took off with studs. And now I do the communications and the marketing piece. Well, thank you both for being here today. I really, really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Um, I really am looking forward to hearing um, more about the, the FEVs and particularly, you know, what do you think every federal employee should understand about the survey? 
And so, Jerry, um, we'll start with you. Hey, thanks. That's a great question. And so what I would say to, to start this one out is can't speak for every single agency that's out there, but your feedback really, really counts at the Corps of Engineers. So the FEV survey, it's a really, really important tool. In fact, it's the best tool that we have, the best measuring stick to see how well we're recruiting and retaining talent. And so that really cascades down through all levels of the organization. Uh, so your feedback's important, and then also it's acted upon as well. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about this, but we mandate every organizational subcomponent to do an action plan and submit those to headquarters. Abby actually tracks those. Those are posted out there on our HRKM portal that are open. that's open to every single employee and also the leadership as well. So there's that visibility that's there. Also, best practices, those are briefed regularly at our senior leader uh, executive governance meetings. And also, General Spellman, our CG, tracks those action plans and scores whenever he goes with him on travel. He's got that with him. And I believe he's read every single action plan that is out there. I don't remember the number, Abby. I don't know if you remember the number, but I think it's more than 60 action plans that we got for this year from all levels of the organization. Yeah, Jerry, that's correct. We had an overwhelming response. And I think there are just some great takeaways there. And actually, we shared some of those in a forum within uh, DOD and another community of practice. So a very good uh, show on the core on that and how we do business with them. Yeah, that, that's really important to hear. And I was recently at an EGM and they were giving out a number of awards based on the, the feedback that's been received. And it seems like the, the core's feedback um, over the years, at least from my perspective, seems like it's been improving. Um, you know, the core as an organization is maybe has more self-awareness but can we talk a little bit about why this survey is so vital for USACE and really the brand of USACE as we look forward? Hey, thanks. And that, that's a great question. You know, I think across the government, you know, folks folks assume that, hey, only the leadership looks at at the Fed survey. And, and that's definitely true at the core. The leadership does pay very close attention to this. But it's also really important across all levels of the organization, from first-line supervisors, middle management, senior leadership, and then also employees as well. And I, I really feel like it's part of our culture, you know, soliciting and acting upon that, that feedback. And, you know, taking kind of a trip back in time here, um, about nine or ten years ago, to one of our previous CGs, General Bostic, he really lit a fire under the organization. You know, starting in 2014, when we look back, we had terrible response rates. It was maybe 20 to 25%. Our scores were not very good on the best places to work. And, and he really said, you know what? We're going to own these results here. Like, I know the core is a great place to work. And it's not reflected in these scores here. And so we need to do a better job as a leadership team. And so he got the entire leadership team to buy into that. And that really was the paradigm shift for the culture. And so that's been a really, really important piece of it. And so I feel like that's just kind of baked in and ingrained in the USACE culture. You mentioned, too, on the, the Best Places to Work Awards. Uh, we just had our sixth annual ceremony a couple of weeks ago at the EGM in Fargo. And I think this is a great, kind of serves a couple different purposes. It's a great motivator. You know, those district commanders and leaders out the organization, you don't want to be one of those organizations that doesn't get a Best Place to Work Award. Um, or even a higher award. And so I think that's a great motivator. And then also it helps us recognize where are the best practices throughout the organization as well. Where are those top performing organizations and how can we still shamelessly across the organization to be able to, to employ those? And so the final thing that I'll note here, our leadership team really sets the tone from the top down on this, starting with the CG. I mentioned a couple of things. 
He's read every single action plan that's out there. He asked me personally for a copy of every single one of those. So Abby and I printed a copy of all 50 or 60 uh, plans that we got those three or four months ago. And knowing how he likes to read, he's read every single one of those. And so there's that accountability there as well, that he wants to see what's going on at the local level and also uh, make sure that folks are, are implementing those actions and communicating that back to employees in the field as well. And so that's a really, really important piece. Yeah, it's great to hear that the leaders are really looking at that. It does not surprise me uh, that the chief is wanting to look at every single one of them. He is definitely one that really cares about the people that he works with. You know, with every survey, it seems like there is a usual battle rhythm to when the survey comes out, when the results are posted, et cetera. So when can individuals start to see the FEV survey be pushed out to them? So great question. Thank you. So the FEVs launched on 17 May and it'll end on 30 June. This is really important that we're back on battle rhythm, given that during COVID, we were off battle rhythm. So here we are post COVID. We're finally getting back into that whole rhythm that everybody is used to. So we're really happy to have that continuity. One thing that I would, I would add there as well, if you're not sure if you're eligible or you can't find the email, OPM does send out periodic reminders. Abby, I think they're every two weeks during the survey period this year. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Thank you, Jerry. Also, too, for employees, like I said, if you're not sure if you're eligible, you can't find that email, you can email Abby or I individually. You can also email our human capital inbox. You just go into global and type in CEHR, human capital team. That'll come up as an email address. Abby checks checks that email box every single day. So uh, whenever we have a senior leader message that goes out, we get we get flooded with emails, which is a good thing. We want to make sure that everybody who's eligible can can participate and take the survey. So just a, a plug for that there. Yeah, well, we're plugging our human capital email box. I'd really like to take a moment and plug our HR knowledge management portal. Workforce has access to it. You can find it on the drop down menu on the internet pages. We have a plethora of information on there to include a Q&A sheet, the action plans Jerry was talking about earlier, and of course our extremely dynamic uh, dashboards reflecting our response rate. That's all good information. And I'm, I'm sure the, the multiple emails that we get reminding us will, will keep us on our toes. So hopefully everybody out there can respond. But I did notice you said that OPM sends out this email. So it kind of makes me wonder if OPM sending out the email, what is the core HR's role in executing the FAVs and processing the information that's gathered? So that's a great question. So CHR is the catalyst on behalf of the CG and our UC. HR Director, Ms. Payne, to ensure this survey is available to all qualified U-State employees. Again, if you want to know if you're qualified, reach out to Jerry or I. But more importantly, we are responsible for communicating also to the MSC divisions and the other organizational components, their response rate, and reflecting the pulse of the workforce and ensuing real change. Hey, Abby, one thing, one thing that I would add to on this, so OPM has a central database that they pull from. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes email addresses are not always correct in those databases, so we've got a fantastic data analytics team that's able to resolve about 95% of those issues 
uh, within that survey roster there. And that way we can make sure as many people as possible are getting their email address because you know, sometimes this old database can have old AKO emails or emails that have not been migrated over yet to the usace.army.mil. Uh, so that's really, really important. You know, we're losing a segment of the population there if we don't have those email addresses updated. So just wanted to highlight the work that the team has done there as well to make sure we widen the scope of that survey population. That's a great point, Jerry, especially for those with the core that are overseas. Sometimes their emails can be a little complicated. So we really do our best to make sure that they're obviously heard and we apply all those measures Jerry was talking about regarding the analytics. And of course, OPM is a great partner in, in resolving those issues as well. I have firsthand experience uh, executing uh, customer surveys for the Corps of Engineers, so I understand uh, how important it is to have uh, the right address going to the right person and uh, the amount of work it takes, even if the survey is administered by another organization. You know, you still have to go in and take a look at the results and uh, kind of do the analysis on your own terms there. I just want to thank you for all your work on that one. Really, um, we mentioned earlier, Aaron and I started off the podcast talking about our understanding of the FEV survey, and I think there are some misunderstandings of the survey, particularly, you know, why it's given, what we do with the information. So what's something that people seem to misunderstand about the FEV survey? That's a really great question. And one common misperception surrounding FEV is that it's just another survey, and that prompts survey fatigue However, FEBS is really critical and it's a tool broadly used by the U.S. government to gather feedbacks on various aspects of the employee work experience and is a member of the external communities of practice premise on FEBS. I can tell you that I have both heard and seen the valuable insights as well as the data-driven decisions to enhance the federal employee work experience. And that's grown exponentially as well over the last four years I've been doing subs. Jerry, any thoughts on that, please? Yeah, I would add to, I think another um, misconception too is that the public doesn't see this. This actually has a really, really big impact, especially on our recruitment efforts. So Federal Employee Viewpoint Survey, uh, the Partnership for Public Service, they're a nonprofit that's, that's aimed at helping the efficiency of government. They take uh, some of the most critical FEBS questions that are out there and they rack and stack all of the agencies that are there throughout government based on agency size and also subcomponents as well. There are over 400 agency subcomponents. And so this is really, really important because we have found, I've seen this in my personal experience numerous times and we've also heard this a lot as well. A lot of prospective applicants are going out there uh, before they go to interviews with the Corps of Engineers, before they apply to positions, are going in, Googling for the best places to work and seeing where the Corps falls on that list. And so that has a really, really big impact. Even if we don't decide to do anything with the data, the public is seeing that and making uh, prospective employment choices from that. So that's just something I wanted to underscore there. I think that's a, an important thing to consider, too. I never thought of the public uh, using that or potential mm -hmm. people to come to work for the Corps. One question I've heard from or statements I've heard from folks about not filling out the past was like, oh, my supervisor is going to find out what I said. Like, I may not have the greatest supervisor, but, you know, I don't want to be found out um, because I think I could have repercussions from that. Is there any truth to this or any chance that a supervisor could find out what an employee said or what their responses were? 
So thanks, Aaron. And yeah, that is our biggest myth surrounding FEBS. And it's always about how do I know my responses will remain confidential? OPM is responsible for administrating the FEBS and does not provide raw data to any participating federal agency. Therefore, no responses or any individual responses are unveiled and any response under 10 is not generated. So that's always a hard metric for me to get through. <laughs> so I really want to emphasize that, that again, we are not using any of this data to be related to uh, outside the privacy. And it's just affording the anonymity there is should be a skill set to really provide a true honest answer because bottom line is your voice matters. Yeah, and I will say from my perspective, like I'm I'm a data cruncher. I've got a team of data crunchers, and this is extremely frustrating. Like I I wish that we did have row level data because that's much easier to synthesize and to put into dashboards. Um, so I definitely understand that perspective. But OPM is not going to release that. It would be much easier for us if we were able to see that, you know, and and do some metrics and trends from that. So it makes our jobs a little bit a little bit more difficult, but. It's also really, really important that people feel like they can speak freely. And I can 100% guarantee that they can speak freely. Well, that is good information. I know we talked a little bit about some of like maybe the challenges or misconceptions, but I feel like the survey's benefits really outweigh any of that. And so can you talk a little bit about the benefits of FEBS and what it brings to the USACE workforce? Absolutely. So FEBS is really, really important because it helps inform our leaders um, with limited, limited resources, limited time, limited funding, where we should direct our efforts to help improve the workplace. And so I want to give a couple examples from the 2022 survey. Uh, so there's a question at the end of the survey, essentially asked the workforce, hey, if we can't do anything, what are the three most important things that we should focus our efforts on? And so what the workforce said was, we want additional career development opportunities. We need additional staff to support mission execution of this record growing program that we're all seeing every day. And then also we want expanded work life flexibilities, which kind of ties in with broader national trends that are out there. So some of the actions that we've been able to take from those three priorities. So in the career development side, We've created a new USACE Talent Acquisition Recruitment Program. It's called TARP for short, an internal module. And so we anticipate releasing that in the next couple of months. And so what that is going to do for internal employees, it's going to allow you to see centralized job boards. You can see all of the internal developmental opportunities that are out there. It's very frustrating as an employee to see everything consolidated in or not be able to see that right now uh, in one place. That's out there. You know, you get email announcements that that are blasted from from the leaders, and they're trying to get visibility on it. But it would be great if we have a centralized board where people can go in, they can see the opportunities that are available, they can search, they can filter, they can sort, they can also submit applications. Everything's coming out of email now. That way, we're not trading emails back and forth, and we know how things get get lost in email sometimes. So I think that's a really big piece of it. And then also on the TARP internal module. There's also going to be capability to drop your resume, indicate general interest for non-competitive opportunities. So, for example, I could go in there and say, hey, I've got family in Hawaii. I would be interested in a non-competitive opportunity in Hawaii. 
And then a hiring manager, when they come along, they have a vacancy, they'll be able to go in and search in that system and see, oh, Jerry's interested in moving to Hawaii. I have a position in Hawaii. And so that could be a potential match that's out there. So it's a way to build that internal talent repository. And I think that's really key to expanding the developmental opportunities that we've got out there. Getting at the second piece of feedback on additional staff. Um, I mentioned we have got a rapidly growing program that's out there right now. And so we are trying to hire and increase staff absolutely as fast as we can. Uh, Ms. Payne, our HR director, is constantly meeting with Army, DOD, OPM to see how we can maximize every potential flexibility that's out there to retain the world-class work, world workforce that we have and also recruit the next generation as well. And so kind of the bottom line of that. We've been able to increase onboard strength by over a thousand employees mm -hmm. within the last year, which is a significant accomplishment. We still want to grow more than that, but that's a definite accomplishment that we've had for the last year. And then the last thing that I want to highlight too from the employee feedback is expanding some of those work-life flexibilities. So we put out a, uh, and actually the CG put this out, a USACE workplace transformation strategy in 2021. And really the focus of that that is empowering leaders and commanders at the local level to take command and tailor those flexibilities based on what the particular mission needs are and then also the local market conditions in that particular area. Sometimes that that makes it difficult. You know, leaders at the local level are going to have to make those decisions. But the truth is there's not a one size fits all in terms of flexibility and what some of those options look like. So. That's been a big success. You know, I think about our headquarters building, you know, as we're talking here this week, uh, there's a remodel of the space that's going on right now that's really going to condense the footprint that's there, uh, modernize that for a hybrid workforce. It's going to have touchdown spaces for remote employees and folks who are coming in irregularly, and it's going to generate a significant cost savings as well. So kind of, you know, big picture here, these improvements, they're going to help us uh, recruit and retain the top talent. So there's just a couple examples I wanted to highlight and why the FEVs is so, so important. No, that, that's helpful. And you definitely caught uh, my attention when you mentioned a non-competitive in Hawaii. So sign me up for that. <laughs> Man, it sounded really good right now. And that good work-life balance, too. I think that that's been one of the biggest changes I've seen within the core in the last five to you even you know going back to maybe 10 years is just that flexibility especially with people with kids and uh when you know both parents are working and things like that it's just been it's been really nice to see some of that transformation and really how COVID accelerated that across the organization hopefully a, a benefit to to all of us um, i want to pivot back a little bit to the the fabs though and the data and, and jerry you mentioned earlier that it you know, you'd like to see the the raw data coming in lines and rows and it could be crunched easier. But when you do have all this data and you do the analytics on it, how do you interpret these results and what do they mean? So that's a great question. We have a phenomenal HR people analytics mm -hmm. team. They are able to make lemonade out of lemons, which is really, really impressive. This is a really tough data set that's there, it's kind of rolled up and it's aggregated and it's not row level. And so that makes it a little bit challenging, but they have created just some phenomenal visualizations that are out there. So we think of the FEVs, you know, if you're, you know, somebody looking into the results, a planner or a leader, it could be almost overwhelming. You know, I took the survey a couple of weeks ago 
And there are over 80 questions. There's a lot of questions there. So it's how do you rack and stack that data? You've got strongly agree and agree and neutral and strongly disagree and, and disagree. And so it's like, how do you how do you wrap all that together? And so these visualizations really, really help those in the field uh, in the trend analysis. It makes it easy to say, hey, these are your top five areas. These are your bottom five areas. You can pick the levels of comparison and analysis. If you're a district, you want to look against your MSC. Um, against USACE overall, if you want to look against Army, you can look at trends over the last four or five years. We've got data, I think, back to 20, 2018 or 2019 that's okay. in there. So that is really, really helpful uh, for those in the field to be able to see that because really we, wanna, we want folks to spend less time on analyzing the data, more time on implementing actions and communicating those actions back to, uh, to the workforce. So uh, one final thing I do want to highlight, um, we mentioned earlier on the action plans. These dashboards and the data from the previous year, those influence future year action plans. And so being able to see that data, rack and stack it really easily, uh, that's a vital piece to shaping the actions going forward. Well, thank you for telling us more about the data. That's helpful uh, to better understand how that all is interpreted. So we're nearing the end of our time together, and I just wanted to give you the opportunity to say your last words to the workforce. So uh, Jerry, we'll start with you. Anything you want to say to the workforce? So I think what I would say was just just a big thank you. You know, I, I, I'm a numbers guy. I see a lot of the numbers. I've seen how this program has grown, tripled or quadrupled in the last 10 to 20 years. Our end strength has not gone up that much. And so you can do some of the math. We've got people doing more. And so we've had to figure out ways to get more efficient and really to do more with the same amount. And so I just wanted to credit the workforce for their innovation, their commitment to getting the job done to the mission, to delivering those projects on time within budget safely. And so that's that's really, really important. And, and the last thing I would highlight too is just thanks for, for sharing your feedback with us on, uh, on the FEV survey. It really does make a difference. It's not just talk, we also walk the walk as well. So thanks, thanks for that. And how about you, Abigail? I just want to endorse Jerry's comments. Thanks to the workforce. Your voice matters. Please reach out to us with any questions. We're here to really support this incredible effort that's a real game changer. And I think we've really touched on those areas that have just been dramatically changed by SEVs and what it influences. Thank you, Jerry and Abigail, for joining us today for this edition of Inside the Castle. We appreciate you and your insights. To our listeners, we want to hear from you, know what topics are important to you, and people you're interested in hearing from. Until next time, be safe, be innovative, and most importantly, share your opinions and fill out the fabs. Thanks for joining us for this Inside the Castle podcast. To provide your feedback, email us at cw.infrastructure.team at usace.army.mil. Stay tuned for additional Inside the Castle podcasts as we explore life inside the core and revolutionize civil works together.